All right, so again, I kind of outed myself there. I'm a big Christmas nerd. When I was a kid, like the first snow, and growing up in Colorado, the first snow is early. It's like last week of September usually. Like the first snow would come, and I would run home from school, and it'd be just me, and so I could get away with this, and I would put a Christmas CD in and start listening to Christmas music because I love Christmas. I love it. It's just this time of expectation as we're leading up to this big celebration of the Messiah, the Anointed One, God's Son coming to earth. And I was always really, um, the Colburn family is a big family. My dad is one of eight. And so our celebration was huge. There were, so my dad's one of eight. They all have uh, you know, they would all bring their kids, and we're loud, and we're rowdy, and we're competitive, but there's also so much love there. And one of the great things about our celebration was uh, my grandparents and aunts and uncles would always make sure we knew why we were celebrating. Like, it wasn't just, oh, we're getting together, and we're having presents. No, we actually had to sing Christmas carols beforehand, um, you know, Christmas songs, not just like Jingle Bells. We did that too, but, you know, like Silent Night where we were really focusing on what this was we were celebrating. My grandfather and my four aunts would get together and sing this song about the Virgin Mary. I don't even know what it's called, but it was a great time, and we were always looking forward to that. There was this great expectation, and the whole time that, you know, like I said, for me it started in September, but this Advent season is about that, this expectant waiting that we have. And I hope you enjoy this, this waiting, this time of expectancy. And the reason we can enjoy it is because we know what's coming. We know that Jesus, the Son of God, came as a baby in human flesh. Frail, weak, helpless. We know that He then grew up, lived a perfect life, and died for us on the cross, saving us. And that actually knowing the ending is what makes this time of expectancy so exciting. Because we know what happens. Did you know you actually enjoy a movie better when you know the ending? Most people are like, I don't want to know the ending. Like, don't ruin it for me. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. There's actually been a lot of studies done that you are able to enjoy a movie better when you know the ending. Because if you don't know the ending, you're sitting there the whole time like you're anxious and you miss the story. You miss some of the intricacies of it and the beauty of it because you're so focused on what is coming next that you're missing it. And so you actually enjoy movies better when you know the ending. I uh, read The Lord of the Rings in high school. The the movies were coming out, but I wanted to read the books first because the books are always better, right? So I read the books. So I knew everything that was going to happen when that first movie came out. The movie came out. Um, sorry, spoilers here, but I'm actually going to help you enjoy the movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, and Gandalf appears to have died, right? He falls down this chasm under a mountain. In the next movie, you're left with that, and the next movie's not coming out for a year. And my best friend at the time, who I went to see it with, we're at home that whole night, and he's like, I need to know what happens. Like, I can't even enjoy that movie because I have no idea how this is going to end. And I'm just sitting there like, I know. I was able to enjoy that whole movie. Even the end scene after he's died, and it seems really sad, I'm able to sit there and appreciate the story because I know 
at the, what happens at the end. I know Gandalf is coming back, and so I'm able to sit there and go, oh, it was a great movie. I'm not anxious at all about this. And so it's the same way for us. We can really enjoy this time of expectancy because we know the ending. But what about before Jesus? What about for the Jews before that? They don't know. They're looking, though. We know they're looking for the Messiah to come because every time we read Scripture, we see that. We see Jesus interacting with people. When He calls His disciple Andrew, Andrew runs back to his brother Simon and says to Simon, we found Him! The Messiah! We found Him! He's here! Or the woman at the well. What does she do? She goes back saying, is this Him? He, he's, Jesus has told her her past and that He is the salvation that's come. And she goes back, is this Him? And of course, a Christmas story that we all know. The Magi coming. Right? They were waiting, expecting the Messiah to come. And when they saw the star, they knew that that was the sign. So they are waiting. They are expecting a Savior. They are expecting the Messiah to come. Sorry, I forgot my water. And the reason they're expecting Him is because there's prophecy about Him. Did you know Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies? So they have all this prophecy that they are waiting for Him. And we're going to go through all 300 right now. No. We're going to read two scriptures today. We're going to read two, but it shows us the who are they expecting. Where is He going to come? What is it that He's going to bring about? And so if you'll turn with me to Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox." The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious." So they're expecting this shoot from the root or from the stump 
of Jesse. So that's going to take a little unpacking here. Jesse is King David's father, or was King David's father. Uh, And David then, of course, becomes the king of Israel. He takes Saul's place. And under David, the kingdom looks pretty good, relatively, as we're going to talk about. There was certainly some dissension and stuff that he had to uh, deal with. But under David, all 12 tribes of Israel are united. All 12 of them. And that lasts for two generations. It lasts for David, it lasts for his son Solomon, and then after Solomon's death, that's it. The ten northern tribes split off. They have a different king who is not David's descendant. He's not uh, from Jesse's line there as we're talking here. He's not David's descendant. And those ten tribes then go off. And you have these two, you have the tribe of Judah and Benjamin in the south who are still under a Davidic king, and you have the ten tribes in the north who are not. And the Assyrians come in. And the Assyrians actually take those ten tribes off. And then they, they make it actually all the way to Jerusalem. They attack Judea as well, and they seize Jerusalem. Um, not seize it, but siege it. Meaning they're surrounding it. And they don't actually take it, but it they end up paying a pretty big tribute to them. And they're kind of, even though they're not directly under Assyrian rule after that, they still have their, their king in Jerusalem of the line of David. They're, they're paying tribute. And it's actually not going to be too long after that, a, a, you know, a span of a, 130 years roughly. And all of a sudden after the Assyrians, the Babylonians come. And the Babylonians are going to end that line of kings. Hey, the last king in the Davidic line at this point is Zedekiah. And Zedekiah, as he's carried off into captivity, he has his sons killed before him and his eyes gouged out. And that's it. Jerusalem, Judah, Israel does not have a Davidic king after that. They are not under that line. And so if you look at the the line of Jesse looks like it's not looking good. And then after they are under the Babylonian rule, then the Persians come, and the Persians rule over them. Not nice people. Read your history books. Not a good situation. Not somebody you want to be under. <clears throat> then after the Persians, there's the Greeks and the Seleucid dynasty, which is a Greek state who rules them. And then after that, you're like, great, they get this hundred years roughly, a little more of independence where they are ruling themselves, but it's not the line of David anymore that's ruling over them. It's the Maccabees, if you've heard of them. And they're actually uh, from the tribe of Levi, not the tribe of Judah. And then civil war breaks out, and Rome steps in and quells that. And so Rome rules all the way through when Jesus arrives. And we know the Romans. They're They're famous for their brutality towards those who they're seeking to conquer. So that's the situation they're under, and that's the situation, and that's why it says we've got the stump of Jesse. It's not looking great right now. Now there's people who can trace their lineage back all the way to David, but they're not in positions of power. They're not ruling. But from this stump, it says, there's going to come a shoot. It's going to come a branch who's going to restore things, who's going to bring people back together. There's going to be peace worldwide not just in one area 
not just for one people, but the, it says the nations are going to inquire about this shoot, this person who is to come. And so we are looking for someone, they are looking for someone who is of the line of David. And the Messiah has to fulfill that. And if you read Matthew and you read Luke, Jesus' genealogies are in there. And you can trace it all the way back up to David. So this Messiah has to be born of the Davidic line. Now the question also comes, where? Where are we looking for this Messiah? So we know he's of the Davidic line. Where is he going to come from? Let's turn to Micah 5.1. We're going to do Micah 5.1-5. through 5. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So that tells us, that we're looking for this Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. Which is an interesting place to be born because it's, you know, it's not a dusty old cow town, it's a dusty old sheep town. This is where the shepherds are. It's David's town. It's David's home town. And where was David when he was found? He was out tending the sheep. That's what this town is known for. It's a little town. It's not great. It's not grand. It's not wonderful. You're not looking... Like, you wouldn't naturally look for the Messiah to be born there. But here we have this prophecy. That's where he's going to be born. And this plays into the story of the Magi coming, right? Because they come, they show up in Jerusalem, and King Herod hears. He hears about, oh, they're looking for the king of the Jews. And he's king of the Jews at the time, so he's worried. He's like, this isn't good for me. I, don't, I want to find out where he is. So when he brings all the priests together and he says, where is the Christ? Where is the Messiah going to be born? They say Bethlehem. And they point to this Scripture. So they are expecting someone from the line of David to be born in the town of David. In Bethlehem. Not a big town. Not a fancy town. And what are they expecting of him? Have you read both of these prophecies? hit this a little bit earlier, so I'm sorry I'm repeating. But they, they're expecting peace. They're expecting Israel to be reunited. All of them. They're expecting them to come back. They're expecting the Davidic line to be restored, to have their own ruler, and to be at peace. And that's a big expectation. Because the ten northern kingdoms split off 930 years roughly before Jesus comes. They've been waiting a long time 
for this reconciliation. The exile occurred in the end of the Davidic line 600 years before this. And for 600 years, they've been under all those groups of people I talked about who, again, are not nice people. That's not who you want ruling over you. 600 years. They are looking forward to this peace. They are expecting this peace. And it's not the expectation necessarily that we have where we already know the ending. Is this going to happen in my lifetime? It hasn't happened in a long time. We've seen the prophecies. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. Is it going to happen? It's, much more, it's a much more anxious expectation. Yet here He comes. He arrives. And that's what we are celebrating now this time of year, we join in that expectation because we too once were far off from God. We needed a Messiah to come into our lives. We needed to be saved. And think about where you were before you knew about that hope. Before you knew about it. Were you anxious? I was. I was so anxious, I stayed up till 3 a.m. every morning, even though I had to be up at 5.30 for work. Because I was anxiously waiting for something. I didn't even know what at the time. I, but I knew I needed something. I knew I needed peace. I knew I needed it, whatever it was. So I was anxious and anxiously waiting. And then Jesus found me on a college campus in Fort Collins, Colorado. He came and I I saw how He'd fulfilled these prophecies and other ones. And most of all, I saw how He had taken my sin on the cross. So that I was no longer enemies with God, but instead I'd been brought near to God. I had peace with God through Him. And so now, when I get to be a part of an Advent service like this, I'm like, man... I'm excited because I was so geeked out as a little kid about Christmas. But then once I came to faith in Jesus, Christmas meant even more. This time of year means even more. I, can, I get to sit here and expect the coming of Jesus because I know He's come. We're going to celebrate His birthday, right? We're celebrating the birth of Christ. So we can join now. We can remember our own expectancy in our own life we can identify with them, the Jews, as they were waiting anxiously for a Messiah to come. So I encourage you to do that during this time. Maybe some of you are still waiting. Maybe some of you have not had that expectation met yet. And you're sitting here going, I'm here because I'm looking. I'm here because I'm searching. But I'm still searching right now. And let me tell you that Jesus... Jesus fulfills the longings that you have. Jesus fulfills the expectation that you have. He fills the holes because we were made to worship God. And so we're always searching for something to fill that. We're always searching for something that will fill our lives. But our lives can only truly be filled when we are in a right relationship with God. And that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you've been expecting something to come into your life and make it all make sense and make it right, let me tell you, that something has come. It's Jesus. 
And if you've already accepted Christ, if you already have faith in Him, then this should be a great time of year. Don't get distracted by all of the, you know, I know like planning parties is stressing. Families can be stressing, right? Like, man, i got to see them again. All right, here we go. That happens. All right, but don't get distracted by that during this time of Advent. Instead, be expectantly waiting to celebrate the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. 